Wonderful. It's uh, an immense privilege this morning to open up the Word of God. And my request is simple this morning that we will treat it as the Word of God. As we open up these pages that we will hear what God says and wants to speak to all of our hearts. Uh, We're starting a four-week journey this morning called Better Than the Good Old Days, which I said last week is what we believe a prophetic proclamation over our church. And we're going to go through the book of Haggai. God's been speaking to it, uh, to us from it over the past months. And it is exciting to open up the pages of this book and hear what he is saying to us today in our modern day world out of this uh, post-exilic prophetic moment that he's speaking to the people of God. And my prayer is that as we open it up, we would treat it like we would any prophetic moment. A prophecy usually comes with a little bit of movement to it. First of all, it comes with setting a premise or speaking about the present reality. But then there ought to be a partnership with God in response to His Word, which leads to a promise fulfilled. Sometimes we want to jump from the prophetic word given to the promise fulfilled, but we miss this section in between where we partner with the Lord. And my invitation right at the front of this season of going through Haggai is that you would commit to partner with God. That you would commit to partner with us as a church community and walk through this. And we are online as well, which means if you miss a moment, you can catch up. And you should, because I believe as we unpack the pages of this very short prophetic moment in the Old Testament, that God has got written plenty of pages of his heart towards us. So take your Bibles, let's turn to Haggai, I'm going to make it easy for you, find the New Testament and turn five or six pages back into the Old Testament, it's the quickest way to find it, Um, if you want to follow with us, and I'm going to pray, and as I pray, I pray that you would position your heart rightly before him this morning as we open up his word and that you would invite his Holy Spirit to be the anointing preacher of his word to us this morning. So Lord Jesus, we thank you for your word. It's infallible. It's given to us in so many practical ways. And I pray, Holy Spirit, will you speak to every heart. May we leave here saying that Holy Spirit spoke to me about what I need to do in my life to honor God well and to respond to his word. We thank you for the history that we're going to find in these pages and that the history is not disconnected from our current reality. And I pray, Father, that you would speak to every heart here to know how you want us to walk towards the promise that you have for us as a people. And if you agree with that, say, Amen. I want us to dream together for a moment. And it's more of a personal dream. I want you to dream about your dream house. It's kind of easy, right? Because I'm sure all of us have had our moments where we think about how many rooms we would like. Or where we think about whether it's all on one floor or a double story with a view. 
Maybe when I ask about your dream house, you think about a certain color for the interior walls and another color for the exterior walls, or you immediately gone to the kitchen and you dream about all those appliances that you've always wanted. To buy that oven that you can hit a few buttons and roast lamb comes out a couple of hours later. Maybe when I speak about a dream house, you start measuring the wall for the size TV that you want to put on there and you want Amazon Prime and Netflix and Showmax and DSTV and all the stuff that you can watch. Maybe you think about the garden. An established garden with beautiful high trees and a swimming pool for summer and lawns to play on and have picnic on. Or maybe when you think about a dream house, you think more about relationships. You want to see muddy feet run through the front door on a winter's day like today or see some coats hanged up when the door opens and you step into the warmth of the inside. Or maybe you just imagine a big large pantry like your grandma had with all the best goodies inside. So all of us have kind of an idea, right, of our dream house. What if you can have all of that? What if that is an attainable goal and you have that dream house? Will you be satisfied? I want you to think about that for a moment. That dream comes true. Will you be satisfied? And will your heart settle down? And what if you can have all of that and all the boxes ticked of what you've dreamed about, but it lacks the presence of God? It lacks Jesus in the center of the house. Now, I know the response. You're all going to say, but of course, that's what we want. We want God there. But is that the first place that your mind and your heart went when I asked you about your dream house? Or did it first go to the pool, or the color, or the size? Or did it first go to God, saying, you know what? As long as Jesus is in our midst, I'm living the dream. We often read the Old Testament thinking that it's just history. And some kind of backdrop that really just sets up the New Testament. And sure it does. It is the story of God's people pointing us to Christ and the fulfillment of that story. But if we understand, just even in our own hearts this moment, how our hearts relate to these people that walked through history before us, we find our own stories in the pages of the Old Testament. Some of us just skip past and say, that's Old Covenant. I'm just a New Testament guy. But I believe as we open up the book of Haggai today, two chapters, short book, it's going to take us four weeks to go through it, that you are going to find yourself in the story. And you surely will find the Lord in the story. And in the story, I believe he's going to speak to every one of us. Israel has been taken into captivity. They've been under the Babylonian Exile out of their land, out of their city, out of their place. And their homes and their dream world was plundered, including the temple of the Lord. And this is significant because right from the beginning, we see that God's intent is to make his dwelling place with man. First in the garden, 
And that got plundered by the enemy leading us out of there. Then through the tabernacle again with the people of God as they sojourned towards the promised land. But then the temple was built for the presence of God to dwell in the midst of, of his people. But as they were taken into exile, into captivity, the city and the temple and their dream homes were plundered. Why did this happen? Their hearts have fallen into idolatry. They had other things that appeased and that they loved more than God himself. But God in his steadfast love and in his mercy before they go and as they head out to captivity, to Babylon, he speaks to them through the prophet, the prophet Jeremiah prophetically and he says this to them, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, to give you a hope and a future. Just as they get ready to be taken captive, that's what God says. It puts one of our refrigerator scriptures in a little bit of a different light, right? And the verse before that, he says, when 17 years are completed, I will visit you and I will fulfill to you my promise and I'll bring you back to this place. Yet as a nation... Their dream, their city, their place that they dwelled, that they made their home was plundered. And God has given them a promise. And now it's up to them to live between the prophetic word and the promise by partnering with God. In the year 538 BC, the Babylonian king gives a decree as God moves his heart and it says, send the people back to their own place. And there's a returning back and there's a remnant that goes back to the city where their homes have been and the presence of God dwelt with them in the temple and they start rebuilding. And for approximately 14 years, they're building up the temple of God and building up their homes. And at some point, they stop building the house of the Lord. They ended up living in paneled houses, but with porous hearts. They ended up focusing on their living room, the color of the walls, fortifying their self-preservation, living their dream with their families in their houses, and day by day walking past the temple that is in ruins without even a hint of desire to see the glory of God in their midst like it's been before. They lived in these paneled homes but their hearts were filled with holes and they leaked vision for the glory of God amongst them. Have we perhaps in the season that we're coming out of, confined to the spaces of our own homes, paneling the ins and outs of our safe perimeters, have we maybe leaked vision for the house of God? Setting up for ourselves beautiful fortresses of self-preservation, yet decidingly letting our hearts leak with passion 
and conviction for this house. Because the temple that God now dwells in is us. It's his people. And Jesus made it so clear when he said, you can bring down the temple, but I'm going to rebuild it in three days because the dwelling place of God is with man. And today the church, the collective us, is where God dwells. Throughout the New Testament, and we'll find it today, when he speaks about the church and he speaks about you, he doesn't speak about the individual. He speaks about the collective us. So how are we living Are we living in paneled homes, maybe with porous hearts? You see, there's a far better temple than the one that Solomon built that they tried to restore. You're sitting right in it. I'm not talking about the building. This is temporary. Don't know how long we're going to be here. Doesn't matter. Because far more beautiful than this chapel is the people in this room. That becomes the temple of the Lord. So let's open up Haggai chapter 1 and read what God thinks about this story. We're going to read up to verse 11 for this morning. In the second year of Darius the king, in the sixth month, on the first day of the month, the word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai, the prophet to Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest. Thus says the Lord of hosts, these people say the time has not yet come to rebuild the house of the Lord. Then the word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai the prophet. Is it a time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled homes while this house lies in ruins? Now therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. You have sown much and harvested little. You eat, but you never have enough. You drink, but you never have your full. You clothe yourselves, but no one is warm, and he who earns wages does so to put them into a bag with holes. Thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Go up to the hills and bring wood and build the house that I may take pleasure in it and that I may be glorified, says the Lord. You looked for much, and behold, it came to little. And when you brought it home, I blew it away. Why? declares the Lord of hosts. Because of my house that lies in ruins, while each of you busies himself with his own house. Therefore the heavens above you have withheld the dew, and the earth has withheld its produce. And I have called for a drought on the land and on the hills, on the grain, the new vine, the wine, the oil, and with the ground, and what the ground brings forth on man and beast and in all their labors. This is the word of the Lord. Here we are in the premise, the predicament, the present reality. And as I said, we can go through the whole book of Haggai today in four hours if you want to, but we're going to split it up over four weeks. Because we have these things that hold us so dear, right? To our, our moments and what needs to happen after the service. So here we are in the premise and the predicament. And that's where we're going to stay for this morning. Yet we know that we're going to be walking towards the promise as a people. It's time for God to speak his mind to his people in the book of Haggai. And as he often does, he does that by speaking to the leadership. So he's speaking to the priest 
He's speaking to the politician and he's speaking through a prophet. Sounds like the start of a, a corny joke. There was a priest, a prophet, and a politician. And he's about to speak his mind and he says, leadership, come a little closer. And the leadership that follow God's advice do well to listen to what he's about to say. But he's speaking to them so that they can bring the message across, this prophetic message to his people saying, you are living in your paneled homes, but your hearts are leaking a vision for my glory. You are living in this beautiful place that you've rebuilt for yourself and your gardens are lush and it's all great, but you pass the temple not even thinking for a moment about the glory that used to dwell there in your midst. And in the same way, as the prophet was speaking on behalf of the Lord, it's my responsibility to say, I'm here to point to the word and speak on behalf of God to us as a church this morning of how do we apply this and how do we not leak vision in our own hearts for this house, for this community, for what he has called us as the people of God in this basin to be. What excites me is I know where we're walking to. And after these four weeks, we're going to go into three weeks of declaring vision of what this house will be for the future. It's going to take us a little bit slower than just one or two Sundays. Let me for a moment remind us of who we are as the house of God. Remember, when we apply this today, Jesus has come and we're on this side of the story, on the other side of the new covenant, which now means that we have become the house of the Lord. 1 Peter 2 says this, As you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious, you yourselves, the plural you, all of us together, the living stones are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Christ Jesus. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. So do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were brought, bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. That's us today. And the invitation is thousands of years later, exactly the same. Glorify God. Desire the glory of God in your midst. Desire the life-giving presence of Jesus in your midst. That when the people of the world see you, you live in such a way that this is Jesus. That we become such a community here as a church together that when the world sees us, God is in our midst. Because our hearts are filled with vision for his house and for his call. Let's go back to Haggai as I want to look at a few things that is said to us. First of all, it speaks about God's expectations and man's explanations. Let's read that. Verse 2. These people say the time has not yet come to rebuild the house of the Lord. And in verse 4, is it a time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses while this house lies in ruins? 
God's desire was simply to dwell amongst his people, to be in the place where his glory is in the middle of the city that they lived in. But for some reason, they said, we'll get to that. The time will come, but for now, I want to build my own little kingdom. See, this is a rhetorical question that the prophet is asking. He wasn't asking it and now, okay, put up your hand. Who's got a response? He's saying, these people say it's not yet time. And do you really think that it is great that you live in these perfect little homes, but the house of the Lord is lying in ruins? He wasn't asking for an answer. He was asking for action. He was asking for a heart change to happen. And you know how that comes to us today? Through the convicting work of the Holy Spirit. So as I'm preaching today and you feel something that is maybe challenging your heart a little bit, say, Holy Spirit, speak to me as much as you want to. Because maybe my focus has been so much on me and us and the small nucleus of family that I have neglected to have a heart for your house, for the temple and the place where collectively you come. And do your work. The word saying there, as these people have been saying, is an intentional utterance. You see, God hears what we say. He still does today. So even in our bright fires and we speak with an utterance, God is aware of that. Therefore, the psalmist says so many times, Lord, seek me and let me know if there's any wicked way in me. Because I don't want to be saying stuff. And I definitely don't want to be saying stuff against your bride and against the church. That one day you might say, you have been saying some things. So how do you feel? Do you feel it's ready? It's time to build the house of the Lord again. It's time for us to, to take the next step and say, let us be a community who wants to host the presence of God well. Let us be a community who lives in the glory of God in our community so that the world around us can change. Or are we just going to go back home and say, maybe another day. Really looking forward to my pizza for lunch. That's what we're having for lunch, by the way. Sorry, Liana, it's going to be pizza. She's saying yes. Sorry, this my stand is giving me challenges today. Thank you, Eugene. Thanks for building the house. God's expectations versus man's explanations. We all have our reasons. Okay, I'm going to step onto a little bit of a bolder space this morning. You know what's one of my favorite reasons, our explanations, when God expects of us to be the people of God? If you ask someone to help out by serving, and then the response is, I'll go pray about it. Yes, that's what Jesus said. The Son of Man came to serve, not to be served, so go and pray about whether you should serve. See, that's our explanation. And then the response, uh, that's really a no. <laughs> and then the response is, it's not my season to serve. Because that's what Jesus said. Son of man came to serve, not to be served, and only for some seasons. You see the explanations we give to why we're putting off building the house of the Lord? You know what? This month I'm going to tithe to the animal shelter or to the Rotary Club. Well, maybe we have a building one day that you can bring some dogs along and they can come and listen to the message. 
Are you saying amen or ain't nah? Taking a break from church. It's like going to your best friend's house and saying, I just want to make sure that your wife is not there. I want to be around you, but don't want to be around her. I want to be with Jesus, but please don't give me his bride. I just want to take a break from that. Doesn't he love his bride so much that you get both when you come to him? I've been offended. Have you ever been offended in a movie? But you still watch movies. Have you ever been offended in a restaurant? But you still go to restaurants. Have you ever been offended at the school that your kids go to, but they still go there? See, we have all these explanations. And God's expectation of his people is, build my house. Build the church. Build the place where my spirit collectively can come and dwell. Build a community that can rise up and let the light of God shine in her midst. Build a peculiar people that would look different than the world, that even though when we are offended, we come back to church because that's where we learn how to forgive. That's where we learn to take another step. That's where we learn to die to ourselves, take up our cross, and daily follow Jesus. The last time I checked, that is what he expects of us as his disciples. What is your explanation this morning? What is mine? I had to sit with this this week and say, Lord, show me my own heart. What have I been saying? But then we also find in Haggai that there's an empty temple and then there's empty tables. I'm going to just read again what we read in verse 8 to 9. Go up to the hills and bring wood and build the house that I may take pleasure in it and that I may be glorified, says the Lord. You looked for much and behold, it came to little. And when you brought it home, I blew it away. Why, declares the Lord of hosts, because of my house that lies in ruins while each of you busies himself with his own house. It's fascinating when you understand what God was saying by reading a little bit deeper into the context and the original language. The word that he uses there, ruins, is interchangeable in other places in Scripture with the word dry. So we could say it implies, why is my house dry? And then we see the drought that God has caused to come upon his people in response to them being okay with a temple that is derived and uh, without and void of the glory of God. And he speaks so clearly. And this is Jesus' words echoed in Matthew 6 verse 33. First seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness 
and all these things will be added onto you. Speaking about clothing, speaking about food, speaking about a place to stay, speaking about a house to live in. He's saying, if you make that priority, if you build my church, if you build my house, if you build the way that I want you to and desire my glory in your midst, your table will be full with the things that you need. But these people didn't quite get it. Laboring hard, putting their money into bags with holes. And then they hear that God's the one who's been blowing it away. The psalmist speaks about the righteous. And he's yet to see the righteous suffer and lack. But again, we have certain expectations of what lack is. Sometimes we think God isn't applying in our needs because I don't get to go and play that round of golf that I want to. I've got to walk with these nails for another couple of months. It's funny, right? Lifting up my hands like the woman with these nails. I don't do my nails. I just buy a nail clipper. It's five rand. You can clip it. You can file it a bit. It looks nice. You see, these people were living in not just the emptiness of God's glory, but even though they had these paneled homes, there was an emptiness around their tables. And that's why Jesus said that your Father in heaven knows that you need these things. Don't be anxious about tomorrow, about what you will wear. Tomorrow will take care of itself, but you first seek the kingdom. You take up your cross and follow me. You say, Lord, I am placed here with the purpose of collectively with the people of God being a house for your glory to dwell. See, God's glory is the marked difference between us and the rest of the world. It was the marked difference between the people of God in Israel and Judah and the rest of the world. And we might even sit around a table that is overflowing with abundance. But because we're pursuing other things, the glory of God is dried up in our own homes. And then people step over the threshold of our front door and it was just another nice meal. Do you desire to live in such a way that your neighbors come knocking at your door and saying, you've got something about God that I need? Do you desire to live in such a way that nothing in this world is greater than having the presence of Jesus in your midst as a family and in the life of your kids? Do you desire to live in such a way that when people see you, they see the glory of God before they see anything else? That's why Paul said, I am in Christ. Before I am in prison, I am in Christ. When people see me, they see that I am in Christ. I'm not a businessman, and I'm not this, and I'm not that. I am in Christ, and he has just so mean for me to be a businessman, but when I present to the world, it is God's glory upon my life. I am in Christ Jesus. That's what it means to live with his glory in our midst as a church. So how do we respond? Consider, consider. In both instances where this is used in verse five and verse seven, it's been said twice, and this is that Yahweh, the covenant name of God is used here, is speaking to his people and he says consider, but in both instances, in the original language, 
two words that means the same thing saying twice. So if you read it in the English, it should actually read, therefore, thus says Lord of hosts, consider, consider your ways. And what this simply means is to appoint your inner man. To say, okay, heart, now I'm going to speak to you. I'm going to keep you accountable for a moment, and I'm going to think about this deeply. About God's expectation of being part of a people that will build for His glory. I'm going to think deeply about all the reasons and explanations I have as to why that is not a priority in my life anymore. And then I'm going to think about my table that I sit around, and do I desire the glory of God Because if I do, Jesus said that if you first seek that in his kingdom, my table will have the things on it that it needs. Not maybe the things I want, but that's okay because I have Jesus. And like the psalmist, I want to say there's nothing on earth I desire besides you. I desire you and your glory in my midst. So we have to take a moment this morning to consider, consider. To semu and lebab to appoint and to charge our inner man, our heart. But it's not just this morning, guys. It's a way of life. It's a daily getting up and say, Lord, search my heart. Know me. Let me consider for a moment how I am going to live today. And here's the promise that we're walking towards. When we build his house, he builds our lives. Because that's the God that we serve. Matthew 6, verse 32 to 34. I've made mention of this before, but I'm going to read it to us in this moment. For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow. When we build his house, he builds our lives. Now, what's some of the things that I love in this church? One of the things that I love is our multi-generational beauty. That we have veterans in the faith. Older generation, men and women, who can tell you that, yeah, that's true. When I built the house of God, he takes care of me. That we have youngsters who has had that revelation and they're already living there. The things of the world aren't putting its little creeps into it and say, come, there's another way to live and there's things that you need and things that you must pursue and you can get to Jesus and his house one day, but for now, just, just build your own little kingdom. This is the truest statement that Jesus could have given us. You seek the kingdom, I will take care of your affairs. I believe Jesus doesn't speak in hyperbole, which means exaggeration. Some people might look at it like, uh, maybe it's not quite what he meant. I believe it's what he meant. Even if it means that for a week, it's only bread on the table, there's bread on the table, guys. Thank you, Jesus, because there's millions who don't even have bread on the table. I'm not going to let my expectations of what my God should do for me cancel out who he is. So I'm going to bring this to a close this morning. Which house are you building? 
you think about the past 18 months, this could have been one of the greatest strategies of the enemy to move us just a little bit further away from building God's house with God's people. And so just focus on your own little world. As long as you're okay, that's fine. I'm going to read to us one last reading in Ephesians chapter 2. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by his spirit. Is it a time for you to dwell in paneled homes while the house of the Lord needs some focus and attention? Because what's happened with Jesus is that because of him and because of the cross, the temple today is us. And if we say that this house believes that there's something better than the good old days and how glorious this church history has been for what God has done in us and through us, but we believe there's even something better, we've got to start believing that we are this house where his spirit loves to dwell. But then will we stand and say, Lord, we will consider our ways daily and we will come and say, Lord, come and be in our midst. And therefore, Father, we will lay down our lives once again and we will say, Jesus, be the center of everything we do. And that's the invitation to all of our hearts this morning. So every nation, it's time to consider. Maybe you have throughout this morning but we're going to respond this morning by saying, Lord, I'm going to focus on the things that matter to you. I'm going to focus on making your glory my greatest pursuit. I want to focus on restoring worship as it ought to be in our midst. I want to focus on eating your word like daily bread. Not a you version, verse of the day. Daily bread. Not a buffet on a Sunday which should last me for the week. So if you've considered this morning and you want to stand with the leadership of this church and say, Lord, we want to build your house and we say that anew. Can you stand with us this morning? Lindy, is here you? Lindy Russell. Okay.
I'm going to try and share a prophetic word that she said this morning at pre-service prayer. She said while she was praying for church this morning, she saw a picture of a wind sculpture. A wind sculpture are one of those things that, that is engineered and designed to be put together that you can put somewhere and then this thing just keeps walking as there's a breeze. You might have seen videos of it, usually in places like the desert where there's just flat ground. You guys know what I'm speaking about? And she said, I saw this picture of a wind sculpture that's been standing quiet and there's these four sandbags on the corners. And there's a moment that she says that people are going to lean in and those sandbags will be lifted at the same time and this thing will start moving. And then she said two things, that we are walking towards that moment that God is going to help lift the things that's been holding us back. And I believe we are in it. But then this is the more important things that I believe the Lord showed her through it. And it links so beautifully with Ephesians that we just read, that each one of us have got a part to play. Because the only way this wind sculpture can move and keep walking is if everything is in balance. Every joint supplies. Every member of the household brings their part. Then God can see a people on the move. So Lord Jesus, I pray for your people this morning. I pray for every heart, Lord, that we would say yes to you afresh today. That we would say yes, Lord, to put our hearts focused on you, Lord. And if there's anything in our heart that has made the vision of you and your house leak, Lord, that we would come and see it and remove it, Father. That we would have whole hearts, Lord. Some of us might be in this room, Lord, and our hearts have become hearts towards you and your people and your house. Lord, give us a heart of flesh again this morning. Lord, and just like the valley of dry bones that comes together and if they become an army walking, Father, we know, Father, that each one of us have got something to do for your purposes in this community. So come and put us back together again, Lord, by your Spirit. Just like that vision that Lindy shared, Father, let us be like this perfectly crafted, engineered piece of of sculpture, Lord, that walks. And as the wind of your spirit blows, it moves us forward, Father. Lord, and we say this morning that we choose to make you and your kingdom and your glory our greatest pursuit. The more than the glory of our own homes, more, of the, more than the glory of our own families, Lord, we say, Jesus, the glory of God in our midst is what we are after. Holy Spirit, will you be the preacher of this word throughout this week, that we would daily consider, consider our own hearts, that we would be a people who walk towards the promise, that we're going to find a few paragraphs later in this book, that the future glory of this house will be greater than the former glory, says the Lord of hosts. And in this place, I will give my peace. We thank you for that, and if you agree with that prayer, say amen. I bless you this week with an increased desire of His glory in your life. I bless you this week with an unmatched knowing of just how much the Father loves you. I bless you this week with the invitation of Jesus day and day again to become his dwelling place. And I bless you this week 
with the living power of the Holy Spirit in your home, in your heart, and for us as a community. Amen. Amen. See you guys next week, and thank you for joining us this morning.